Welcome to week five of Church Online. Can you believe that? Week five, five weeks of Church Online, five weeks. Wow. So I have to ask, how is everyone doing? How are you doing? Are you getting used to the new normal? Are you lonely? Are you sad? Are you anxious? Are you feeling a little down, maybe getting depressed? Uh, how are you doing? Um, if you're watching this with people, just talk to them about it. Let them know how, how, how you're doing um, in a one-word answer or one-sentence answer. And maybe after this service, you could talk more about it. And if you like, also in the comment section, let us know how you're doing. Are you doing good? Are you doing bad? Are you doing just okay? Um, are you getting tired of being in isolation? But just let us know because we are all in this together. Are you stressed? Are you overwhelmed? Um, yeah, let us know. I want to mention just real quick off the top is that our Easter offering, since everything's been kind of really crazy and uh, just, just, just kind of insanely crazy this past uh, five weeks. Um, we're going to extend our special Easter offering another couple weeks or so. And, um, and if you've given to our special Easter offering that goes to, to support all of our global missionaries, um, we want to say thank you. I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, that you gave above and beyond your regular offering to support missionaries to further the kingdom of God all over the world. And um, and so we are leaving this offering open. So uh, ask the Lord, if you haven't given yet, how much he'd have you to give to this special Easter offering so we could support all of our missionaries all over the world. Um, and on a sad note, we do have to let you know about one of our missionaries. And, um, and I'll let Nancy Pace, our director of uh, global missions, do that. We have truly lost a man of God in our missionary, Jesse Youngmi. Jesse has been a missionary in Northern Thailand to Kaimaki Christian Church since the early 70s. He first ministered in Burma with his wife, Esther. Subsequent to that, he came to the United States to attend Ozark Bible College. After completing his training at Ozark, he returned to Northern Thailand where he wrote down the Lisu language for the first time. Subsequent to that, he wrote, translated the Bible into the Lisu language, and later on in his life, he wrote a second version of the Lisu Bible. He presented the Bible to our family in 2001, and I will send this version of the Bible to the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., in honor of our dear friend, missionary Jesse. In 1999, Jesse founded the Lisu Bible Institute, where many young people are trained to evangelize and plant churches throughout that area of the world. Finally, in his latter years, Jesse had a burning desire to reach his people, the Jerwang people in southern China, for Jesus Christ. He would travel for days over mountainous territory, through jungles, and very, very treacherous situations. Finally, when Jesse reached the Jerwang village for the very first time, the elders ran out to greet him, shook his hand, and said, Jesse, 
we've been waiting for you. I would guess that's what God said. Jesse, I've been waiting for you. I'm so glad you're here. Jesse, we will miss you. The earth will miss you. Certainly Asia will miss you, but we thank you for your years of dedicated service to him. And we know that God has said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Ahui ho. Well, church, I, I love hearing stories of what God is doing through people organically. I love hearing stories of what God is doing through people, that, that God has placed something on their heart and then they just go and do it. There's needs for their neighbors and they go and the, they serve their neighbor and continue to pray and ask God, say, God, what would you have us to do? How can we serve? And see what God, the Holy Spirit tells you and then do it. Be the hands and feet of Christ during this time. Ask God to expand your territory in terms of how much influence you have, in terms of how many people need to know Jesus that you could influence for the kingdom of God. And, um, and, and we've mentioned the last couple weeks that, that, that we have over 40 volunteers, 40 volunteers sewing these cloth protective face masks. Wow. And to all the volunteers who are sewing these protective face masks, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your dedication. Thank you for your hard work and your willingness to serve and go the extra mile. Well, our goal is 4,000, and we're not there yet. We want to get there. Um, so if there's any seamstresses or any tailors or anybody who has a sewing machine and want to, wants to try to sew these masks, email us at kcc at kaimikichristian.org and, um, and let us know you're interested in sewing, and uh, we will contact you right away and be able to get you some kits so you can sew these protective face masks so that we could give them to people on the front lines, so that we could give them to uh, individuals who are high risk, so that we could give them the people to help them protect them from this pandemic, from this coronavirus. KCC at KaimikiChristian.org. And as you might be able to see in this picture here, these are two beautiful models. Had to pay them top dollar, top dollar to, uh, to pose for us. Um, and these are probably the most two beautiful girls you'll, you'll ever see. Well. Hananiah, but she's not in there as well. So in the comments section, just talk about how beautiful these girls are as they wear the protective face mask that we are making. Now you don't have to write that in the comment how beautiful they are. No, actually you do have to write it in the comment how beautiful they are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Was it just me or does it seem like the more news I read, the more news I watch, the more anxious I get? Is it just me? It seems like the, the, the more I read, the more I watch, the more I listen to whoever it is I'm watching or listening to, the more nervous and stressed I get. And, and you might be in that boat. You might be really worried about what's going on. You might be really anxious. You might be really um, apprehensive about the future and saying, God, what, what is going on here? And at the same time, there might be some guilt in you. Because you know the Bible says that we shouldn't worry. So, for example, you might know Bible verses like in Isaiah 35. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And then Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So 
you might be feeling nervous, you might be feeling stressed, you might be feeling anxious, you might be lonely, you might be, you, you fill in the blank there. But you also might be feeling a little guilt because you see these passages like this and there's a whole array of passages that speak to this God coming to our rescue. But let me kind of just paint the big picture. These passages here, like in Isaiah, like in Matthew, they are there to encourage and to build us up and to give us confidence in the Lord. They are not here to bring on the guilt, to keep on the guilt, to, 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 to kind of like bring the smack down. They're, they're not there for that. They're there to encourage us. And so it is important when we read a Bible passage that we understand it in its immediate context, but also that we understand it in the entire context of the biblical text, the Old and the New Testament. So once we understand the immediate context, it's important to understand what it means in its holistic context, meaning the entire Bible. And so these verses are meant to encourage us. That's first and foremost. And there will be preachers, and, and there have been preachers, and there are people out there uh, on YouTube preaching things and saying things like this. And here's what other people are saying. They, they're saying that, you know, if you have enough faith, you won't be lonely. That, that if you have enough faith, you won't have anxiety. If you have enough faith, you won't worry. That if you have enough faith, you will never fear. That if you have enough faith, you could pray the coronavirus, COVID-19 away. And hear me on this. Those statements are not biblical. Those statements are not biblical. And hear me on this. Please hear me. As we, as, as, as we read Scripture, what we see in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, the Old Testament, the New Testament, we see God using people who were anxious, who were scared, who were afraid, who were lonely, who struggled with all sorts of different illnesses, and God still used them. You could read the Psalms, and you could see how the different writers in the, in the Psalms wrote about their struggle and their anxiety, saying, God, where are you? God, I'm in despair, pouring out their hearts to God. So we have to understand the Bible in its immediate context, a verse in its immediate context, as well as the greater context of the entire Scripture. The Apostle Paul even asked God three times. He had some type of ailment going on three times. He said, Lord, I've asked you three times to take this from me. We're not sure what that ailment was, but then he says in 1 Corinthians 12 or uh, 2 Corinthians 12, he says, uh, the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. So when we hear these passages, like in Isaiah, like in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, they are here to inspire us so that we can be encouraged and find comfort. However, that does not necessarily mean that we will find comfort right away or that we will be healed right away. Let those, those two points sink in there. That, that these passages are there to inspire us so that we will be encouraged and find comfort. That's important. They're not there to bring guilt and to bring down condemnation, to bring down shame. No, they're there to encourage and to inspire. The beauty is, is that God meets us where we are. If we're lonely, he meets us there. If we're anxious, God meets us there. If we're depressed, God meets us there. So there's no easy solution. 
to these things? There's no easy answer. There's no, I, I can't just, you know, wave a magic wand and everything's going to be better. It just doesn't work that way. But let's look at the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament. And let's see who this prophet was. Because as we're, as we're going to see that he struggled with a lot of things. And we're going to learn the different things he struggled with. And then we're going to wrap up the message with real practical, tangible things that we could do right now to be encouraged during this difficult pandemic we find ourselves in. So Jeremiah was called to loneliness. Jeremiah was called to loneliness. Think about that. God called him to loneliness. So here's Jeremiah. The period in which Jeremiah lived and worked was one of the most crucial in Hebrew history. His public ministry began at the reign of King Josiah and lasted until sometime after the fall of Jerusalem in 587 BC and the beginning of the Babylonian captivity. So Jeremiah was ministering, was a prophet of God, or another way of saying a spokesperson of God during a very crucial time in, in Hebrew history in Jewish history, in Israelite history. And so Jeremiah was one who struggled with loneliness. He struggled with depression. He wrote 50 chapters and he tried to obey God. He tried to honor God and he tried to get his people. Jeremiah tried to get God's chosen people, the Israelites, to turn from their wicked ways and to turn back to God because God was bringing judgment. God was going to bring destruction and Jeremiah didn't want that on his people. So God was using Jeremiah to tell his people, God's chosen people, to turn from their wicked ways. And because of that, he didn't have a lot of friends. Because of that, Jeremiah telling people, turn from your wicked ways because God's going to bring his judgment. He didn't have a lot of friends and therefore he was lonely. How would you define loneliness? Here's what one author says. Loneliness is a feeling of separation, isolation, or distance in human relations. Loneliness implies emotional pain, an empty feeling, and a yearning to feel understood and accepted by someone. We've been in isolation for nearly a month now, and some are adjusting to the new normal well, and some are adjusting not so well. Um, in our situation at, at home, we are kind of have our routine down. Um, uh, we'll wake up early, or I'll, I'll, we'll try to wake up early. <laughs> Usually the kids wake up before we do and wake us up. But, but the plan is we wake up early and then, um, and then, and then uh, read, read the Bible, and then um, I'll, I'll do some work. And then, um, and then Kaz takes uh, Abby and Hananiah, uh, I mean, Abby and Lily to, to the school room, which is right behind me, that's our classroom, and go online. And the KCS teachers, who are amazing, um, uh, Ms. Vera, Ms. College, you're amazing, and, and they do the schooling there. And, um, and, then, and then I have to watch Hananiah, who's our one-and-a-half-year-old, and watching a one-and-a-half-year-old is more like just kind of following her around wherever she goes, keeping her quiet so she's not disturbing the schooling going on in there. And, um, and then there's a chunk of time in the day where I, then I can focus just on work stuff and, and things like that. And then uh, we have family time. We take uh, the kids for a walk, usually go feed the ducks. 
quack, 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 quack. I thought that was funny. I don't know. And we go feed the ducks. We come back, and then we play some more, have dinner, dinner time routine, put the kids to bed, and then, you know, uh, do some uh, more work usually. But what's interesting is there are times – now, let me just be honest for a second. Let me be vulnerable, and uh, please relate with me in this because hopefully I'm not the only one. There are times when Kaz and I are tired, and I'm looking around – and every single kid, even our one-and-a-half-year-old, is on an electronic device, whether it's an iPad, iPhone, or TV. Um, I'm not saying that they have those or know how to use it, but, yeah, they have them and know how to use them. <laughs> and, and I realized, man, we've been, all of us have been on our electronic devices for longer than I'd like to say. Now, it's only happened, like, once since we've been in isolation. <laughs> but I say all that. Uh, I, I say it jokingly, but it's true, but it's happened a lot. Um, but I've noticed that when we're uh, on our phones, isolated, not talking with one another, that, that we're not connected. And so after we put our phones down and, and things like this, we're not really connected with one another. However, I've learned that, that when we um, put the electronic devices down and play those old school like board games and maybe games with a bouncy ball or whatever it is, that we're way more connected. So I say all that because, because we could be in a room full of people and not be connected and still feel isolated. We could be in a house full of people and still feel isolated. We could be by ourselves and feel isolated. We could be by ourselves and be fulfilled. And so wherever you are, connect with God and connect with others so you're not feeling isolated, so you're not feeling disconnected. Stay connected with God Almighty. So can anyone relate with me? Come on, just put that in the comment section there. You know, sometimes you're just so tired and you know that you don't want to give the kids electronic devices because you know they're just going to get more and more cranky, but you're like, ah, I'm so tired, take my iPhone. <laughs> Anybody with me, just put in the comments, comment section there so I don't feel like uh, I'm the only one. And, uh, and by the way, I'm not endorsing that. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, whenever our kids do use the devices, it's generally um, we're cranker afterwards. All right. Moving on. So as I mentioned, the prophet Jeremiah struggled with loneliness, depression, anxiety, worry, with, with all of it. But God still chose Jeremiah. God called the prophet Jeremiah to, lend, to live a lonely life. And loneliness came as a result of his commitment to God. Jeremiah wanted to be obedient to God, obedient in every single way. And so God calls him to be the prophet who would tell his people, that impending judgment is coming if you don't turn from your ways. So he goes and he tells them this on and on again. For 40 years, God is using Jeremiah to warn his people. And here's what's fascinating about Jeremiah, that we know through Scripture that he wasn't a naturally courageous person. In fact, he was a bit more timid, a bit more insecure. But God promised to make him strong, and God promised to stand alongside with him. In Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah says, Lord, I'm too young. I can't be used for you. And God says, no, 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 no. Don't forget who's in charge. I'm in charge. Then in Jeremiah chapter 2, listen to the word of the Lord. It says, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 4, listen to the word of the Lord, people of Jacob, all you families of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me? They worshiped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. Your clothing is stained with the blood of the innocent and the poor, though you didn't catch them breaking into your houses. 
and despair. You will be led into exile with your hands on your heads. Here's a prophecy right here. And despair, verse 37, you will be led into exile with your hands on your heads. For the Lord has rejected the nations you trust. They will not help you at all. So Jeremiah, it's clear, was not a popular preacher. Jeremiah wasn't the guy that was going to be like, listen, just smile. It's going to be all right. Just put the happy face on. It's going to be okay. No, Jeremiah was the one that was all up in your face. And God called him to do that. God even called him. He says, don't even marry anybody. Why? Because everyone here is so corrupt. You don't want to marry into that. So Jeremiah did not have a cushy life. He had a difficult, challenging life. And Jeremiah never knew the joys of marriage. He never knew the joys of close, intimate friendship. He couldn't enjoy being in community with others. And here's what we find out. Because God had a purpose for this. God wanted his lonely life. God wanted Jeremiah's lonely life to be an object lesson for what would soon happen to the whole nation. Talk about isolation and and loneliness. There was no safe place, humanly speaking, for Jeremiah to be loved, encouraged, and accepted. Let that sink in for a bit. God wanted his lonely life to be an object lesson for what would soon happen to the whole nation. God gave the prophet a very challenging call, and it lasted more than 40 years, and it got progressively worse. But I'll tell you what. That's a real comfort for me to observe that Jeremiah wasn't always on top of things. In fact, as you read through the book of Jeremiah, you see that at times he was frustrated with God. At times he was so anxious and so worried and so just like, God, what's going on? God, why are you doing this? And at other times he was saying, Lord, it's your will. It's all about you. It's your plan. I understand the big picture. So there are times that Jeremiah was anxious and afraid and, and, and timid. And then there were times when he found strength in the Lord. So he would always go back and forth. I find comfort in that because sometimes that's like how I am. Jeremiah 8.21, since my people are crushed, I am crushed. I mourn and horror grips me. Wow. 15.10, oh mother, he's talking about his own mom. Oh mom, oh mother, how I regret that you ever gave birth to me. He's saying, I am, have regretted being born. I regret being born. That is powerful. You can see the loneliness in that. Like, why me, Lord? The, the anxiety, the depression. You can see all of that in this one sentence. Oh mother, how I regret, regret that you ever gave birth to me. I am always starting arguments and quarrels with the people of this land. I have not lent money to anyone, and I have not borrowed from anyone. Yet, all these people are treating me with contempt. The more passages we read, and we can read a whole slew of passages in Jeremiah, but the point is, is that he was lonely, he was afraid, he was uncertain, and he was depressed, and he was anxious. He knew his enemies wanted to kill him. And his friends really couldn't be trusted. But he had the strength to go on. He had the strength to go on. But what kept Jeremiah going? 
What kept Jeremiah going was the bigger picture. I think that the greatest picture, the first part, was that he knew that a Messiah was coming. He knew that a new covenant was coming. And he, he kept his hope in God that he would bring in this new Messiah who would usher in the kingdom of heaven. And so, so Jeremiah knew that, so that kept him going. But I think also what kept him going and what brought him comfort was that he hoped that his people would turn from God. Jeremiah had such a heart for his people to turn back to God. You might remember the a parable of the prodigal son. His, the son goes to his dad, asks for his inheritance, which was a huge disrespect in that culture. And his son spends his money on wild living, hits rock bottom, and decides to come home. But as he comes home, his dad is still there with his arms open. And his son says, I'm not worthy to be your son at all. His dad says, nonsense. You are my son. You once were lost, but now you're found. We're going to celebrate because you are here. And that's what Jeremiah was hoping for his people, that they would turn from their sins and turn to God. But unfortunately, they didn't. Jeremiah was one who felt utter loneliness. But he wasn't the only one throughout Scripture. Last week, we talked about Jesus feeling utter loneliness when he said in Matthew 27, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So what do we take with this message of Jeremiah, his, his story of anxiety and loneliness and depression. How does that apply to us today? Let me give you some thoughts. One, understand that if you're struggling during this time, it is not necessarily a sin. We all struggle and God meets us in our struggle. Rather though, surround yourselves with family and friends and tell them what's going on and be honest with them. Second thing we could do with this uh, account of Jeremiah is that if you're struggling during this time, take comfort in the fact that you can identify with biblical characters like David, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Naomi, Job, and others. In fact, sometimes during our darkest moments, God brings us the most unlikely people, and that's what he did for Jeremiah. Uh, God brought Jeremiah a friend from uh, this, this, uh, from what we call Ethiopia now to help him. And actually this man from Ethiopia came and said to the king, Hey, I understand you just threw Jeremiah into a cistern or that is just threw him into a well, left him there to die. If you don't mind king, can I go take him out and, and help him and, and, and come to his, his aid? And the king says, yeah, sure. Why not? I don't care. So sometimes in our darkest moment, God brings us people. And you can read more about that story in, in uh, Jeremiah 38. But the point is, is do everything you can to reach out to people. Call them, text them, FaceTime them, message them, uh, Skype them, Zoom them, whatever it is. Go online to our website, join one of the online groups, stay connected that way. Let us know what is going on. So three, use this time to see a good Christian counselor. You can go to aacc.net, American Association for Christian Counselors. There's a good resource of all the different Christian counselors who you can see. 
Uh, you can also click on the COVID-19 tab on the right-hand side of, of your computer screen or your phone and click on that tab and let us know how we could serve you, how we could help you. We can't meet every need, but we want to help you the best that we can. Four, go, don't go online and just listen to anyone. You go online and you listen to anyone, you're going to believe everything. When you listen to people online or to clips online, listen with a filter and ask God to give you wisdom to what you're listening to. And five, stop spending an excess amount of time watching and reading the news. So here's my challenge. If you are one of those who watch an hour, two hours of news a day or read an hour, two hours of news a day or some combination of both, let's, I, I, I encourage you to take this challenge. For every minute you watch the news, spend that much time, excuse me, spend that, spend that much time connecting with God. So if you watch an hour of news, if you read an hour of news, spend that much time connecting with God and see what God does in and through you. It's just that so much, we could watch the news so much and we could get so discouraged and so down that, and lots of times it's just the same thing, just fun in different ways. And so instead of that, let's fill our minds and our hearts with God's word, which, which brings us um, to number six. And most important, fill your minds with scripture. Ask God to give you a heart that is for him. Ask God to give you a heart where you just want to read his word, be in his word. You want to meditate on his word day and night. Ask God to give you a heart to talk to him, to pray to him, to connect with him. In Jeremiah 18, there's this account where it says that God is the potter and we are the clay. And so everyone, like whatever you're going through, if you're hurting, if you're in pain, if you're anxious, if you're stressed, if you're nervous, if you're lonely, if you're whatever it is, understand that we're all clay and we're in the hands of God. Allow him to mold us. Allow him to work in our lives. Allow him to heal the brokenness, to heal those wounds. Allow God to build us up. It may not be easy. It may be difficult, but allow God to mold us and make us. Allow God to help us become more and more like him. And when we do that, we have the power and the energy and the ability to go and tell the world about Jesus. And that's what we want. We want everyone to know about Jesus. And so let's take this message of Jeremiah and realize that if we're feeling down and out, if we're feeling depressed or anxious, that we're not alone, but that God will still meet us wherever we are. As long as we're willing, God will use us to further the kingdom. Amen? God bless you.